Live in three, two, one. All right, Jackson Callum with First Class Business here, and I'm so excited to be with one of my best friends. So very honored to be here. Thank you. Man, it is my honor to be on Jackson's actual podcast. Guys, like we're gonna enjoy our Friday night. You're gonna go out and you're gonna have some fun. Um, you know, you're gonna stay in and appreciate your family. But the last thing you're gonna think about, most likely, is where you're going to get your drink of water. And I'm, I'm celebrating. I'm so excited about this. So, the the water wells, the water project that we've been supporting has been fully funded. And it's thanks to all sorts of people who contributed, people who are just like you, whether it's donating a dollar or donating a hundred or a thousand. Um, thanks so much for your time and attention and, uh, and see how you can possibly help provide clean waters to others as well. Thank you so much. Hey, what's up, Vision Pros? And thanks for tuning in to Vision Pros Live. I am super excited to be here today. I'm excited to be here with an amazing guest named Dean Forbes. We'll bring him out in just a minute. There he is. So Dean... Uh, Dean is the founder of Ask Methodology and ASQ and Apex Epics Academy. He is a sales trainer of 20 years and he trains sales professionals and service providers. He's generated more than $279 million in sales and he's all about relationships first and building solid relationships. We've been friends for a few years now and I'm super excited to introduce him to everybody. So, Dean, Welcome to Vision Pros. I am so stoked to be here with you, Jackson. I mean, this has been a while coming now, and it feels like perfect alignment for it to happen. So I'm glad to be here. Hey, everybody, how you doing? It is awesome. So if you're listening to this and you have any types of questions regarding sales, relationships, influence, that's really what it's about. It's influence and leveraging that influence with integrity. Then by all means, drop the questions in the queue that you have. Take advantage of this opportunity and don't ever hesitate to connect with Dean or myself on LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you find us online. Okay. Now, Dean, let's talk about, I want from your perspective, who is Dean Forbes? Uh, Dean Forbes is a servant's heart leader. I approach every day with like an impact first mindset. And I always think about the impact I'm going to have on people first. And a lot of times it's like this whole cliche thing, right? But honestly, I wouldn't enjoy my life or my kids or anything as much if I didn't know or believe that every day I get up, I'm thinking, you know, service before sales, impact before income, people before profit. If I weren't thinking those things, I have that compass, then, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I have a lot of uh, mentors to thank. My father is the first of which that I ever had and other mentors who helped steer me to the right path along the way. And even for the times when I fell down and make mistakes, I've known who I am and who I could become for a long time. And so I can I continue to pursue that potential within myself. So that's who Dean Forbes is in a nutshell. You know, that's awesome, man. I'm going to ask you about something uh, specific there. You talked about your father being a mentor. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot of us out there who don't have that, who didn't have that. Um, right. And I'm I'm one of those. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot of things I I uh, needed to not do um, in my relationship there. But I also did learn some good things, um, some really important things there. But from your perspective, what is always interesting and fascinating to me is like, what did that what did that do for you? And like, what are some specific benefits that 
that came from that relationship because every father son relationship is different but i know that i know that you often talk about how influential your dad was what does that look like uh so the first thing i'll say is my father taught me how to be a man but a human man meaning treat people right all the time you know always look out for the best interest of other people whether in your circle or outside that basically do the right thing even when nobody's looking the other thing that my father taught me was not not just responsibility but accountability like owning your stuff stepping up to the plate when you've done something wrong you've erred in some kind of a way and he had a great way to do that my dad was never the kind of guy as a father who would say to you you can't do this and you can't do that He'd be the type of person that says, so if you choose to do that, what do you think will happen down the road if you did? You wow. know, or he would say things like, well, Dean, because we're Jamaican. So he said, Dean, you can do whatever you want. You just can't do that in my house. So it would be like, you know, so I mean, if you choose to do this thing, where will you live? So yeah. he would put things like that to us all the time where we got to make a choice about my favorite one, maybe he said, Dean, so tell me something. Is this the kind of man that you want to be? And that had a certain sting to it to make you think a little bit more deeply about what you're about to do or what you were thinking, uh, how you're about to approach a situation. And so I think my father instilled in me integrity, just a level of accountability that I guess to me, I've never saw, I've never seen that in any person other than my father, so much so, except for my brother actually, to be honest with you. So, you got a double. Um, you got a double. Day. I got a double. So I, I strive. I strive every day. Let's put it this way. I don't think I compare myself to a lot of people in the world at all, but I do compare how I am as a man to my dad and to my brother. 100%. I can't deny it. That's awesome. Well, it's, it's great to have benchmarks. There are healthy comparisons that exist. Yeah. I, I, I try to emulate LeBron James when I make a layup. <laughs> that's, that's important. Sure. Um, so there's a there's a healthy comparison and in a world full of of toxicity and divide and like no don't don't judge me no there's there's some definite value to that in order for you guys to be able to reach out to him we're going to continue to dig into the gold mine that dean has available so you can get some some idea of how depth how the how far the depth goes so number one uh what i know about you is that your sales techniques are based on relationships and I know that because I've experienced that with you, right? So about building stronger relationships. But I also know you have an amazing value in terms of training sales managers, knowing how to build sales management up, and also knowing how to train sales and service professionals both, right? Whether that's customer service and support, or that's high ticket sales. I've seen the broad array of, 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 of capabilities that you have and your ability to articulate your training. So I'm going to get to this point. If you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, I'm going to ask Dean the golden question that all of you would want to ask or all of you HR representatives want to ask. Dean, how do you as an entrepreneur, if I were to hire you, how do we as business owners need to go about hiring the right sales trainer? Thank you for that question, uh, Jackson, because I think this is a really important question, number one. And I think number two, too many mistakes are made in this arena. So the first thing I would tell are you uh, saying that people aren't perfect at sales and that yeah. people are kind of manipulative in the sales environment and maybe don't look out for the customer's best interest. Are you alluding to that a little bit? I'm alluding to that a little bit for sure. And I'm also alluding to what I call, well, not what I call it, but it's confirmation bias, where the first thing I tell entrepreneurs is don't lock yourself into looking for someone to train your team that is in your industry. 
because they have blinders on. They can't see the blind spots because they have the same ones that you have. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you have to vet them very, very carefully before you actually choose someone that's in your industry that lives in there and in the whole nine yards when it comes to sales training. That's the first thing. The second thing is that you need to find a sales trainer who is going to be asking you a lot of questions about you, your core values, your team, your highs, your lows, and most importantly, what are your standards? What are your benchmarks for progress? What are your benchmarks for predictability? What are your benchmarks to actually grow your people? Not for you to make profit and sales. That's just an effect of you understanding what your core values are, what your standards are, what your highs and your lows are, and what is your what, what's your vision for growing your sales team, the people that actually represent your brand? If you don't have a sales trainer uh, that is asking these types of questions, I would absolutely run in the other direction. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Well, and a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, especially the, the beginning stages are going to say, you know, like, well, wait a second. You know, isn't that your job as a sales trainer to to provide and to figure out? Yeah, 100 percent. And guess what? The good news is, if you're not asking the right questions, there's no shot you're going to be able to connect with that organization in a genuine and authentic way. The best way to get the best information and best nuggets to lead people forward is to understand who they truly are. Like, what are you about? Because I could look, I have a framework that I train with. I could step on any stage, go into any room, train this framework, and it would work. But... It would never be supremely effective if I didn't understand who my audience is. So it is my job. And guess what? It's also my responsibility to find out these things before I ever to myself have the audacity that I could train your people if I'm not willing to step into that arena in the MMA ring that they walk into every day and really kind of try to sit in that soup. And the only way I can do that is by asking you the right questions. That's the only way. Absolutely. So the person who's interviewing, um, you know, you, you could be working with an HR director that's interviewing. You could be working with a sales manager who's interviewing to hire you. Um, and then, of course, depending on the size of the organization, you've got C-level execs or you've got founders. Let's just dive even deeper um, you know, on this on this topic, because it is the most overlooked topic, in my opinion, um, is how do you bring on the right team members and the right <laughs> leaders to lead those team members to win. You, you're absolutely right. Every entrepreneur is different in their approach. They may all be entrepreneurs, right? They may all be a, a business owners, but they all think so, so differently, which is why you, you can end up with a mixed bag of sales approaches, even with good or great sales people. So go ahead and expand on that. Yeah, so I'll expand on that with a quick story if you'll indulge me a little bit. Um, when I worked for L'Oreal for the Redkin team and I was first dubbed the director of sales for Division 100, we, uh, we, we had a team of about 20, 22 people. And we built such a culture on that team that I never had to really hire or fire anyone. They did it for themselves because the team, the team wouldn't tolerate certain people on the team if they wouldn't live by the standards or strive to live up to those standards. And so my real point here is that the reason people end up with a mixed bag is because they don't have standards that they actually live and die by. And it's not instituted from the top down. My mentor, one of my mentors say, Dean, the fish stinks from the head down. And so 
Every person on that team's feet are held to the same fire. And the leaders, so much so that they have to hold their feet to the fire without soap, without shoe soles, bare feet to the fire. Because they, that burn needs to burn from the top all the way down. And that's how you institute it throughout, throughout the entire organization. And so when you're going to engage or, or, or work with a team that is looking to grow their sales, you have to find out what is your standard or your culture around building impact or transformation into the lives of those you're called to serve? What does that look like to you? Right? Because I have to be able to align my own core values with that thing. And quite frankly, you know what, uh, Callum, sometimes, uh, Jackson, sometimes you have to be okay with walking away from a situation that you're not meant for. Like, you know what? I, I appreciate what you guys are doing, but this is not where I need to walk right now. I love that. I'm going to I'm going to add a little visual because we're super aligned on that concept, Dean. And uh, this is this is one of the posters we have at First Class Business that helps us understand that that concept. Um, you know, and you mentioned having the same standards. Right. Yeah. We, we make sure that in our hiring process, right, that we build our team based on the foundation of love and then the four virtues of patience, persistence, consistency and reliability. And it, it gives us a chance to really make sure that everybody who's coming into this culture um, is is dedicated to figuring out are they are they abiding by those virtues, you know, as they go about their work and represent our brand. And ultimately, that leads us to um, a dedicated unison to be able to hold each other accountable to those standards. Yeah. Um, so if the entrepreneur doesn't have those types of standards in place, um, you know, and you see that as a as a potential sales trainer for them, what do you do? Literally, I would put the so at this point, I've already made the decision that I'm going to walk away. And so before I walk away, though, I offer one opportunity to see if we can get aligned based on what I'm looking at in front of me. Let's say I believe that there's great potential here. Okay. Um, I will put it on the table. Hey, guys, you know what? Uh, I see great potential here. And I'm sure that you guys have ways to go, progress to make, and, and, and things to do that are going to be great. However, there's a gap here between our core values, and I want to address that right now, if I may, and I ask permission to do it. And then I'll just say, hey, look, I'm the kind of guy that supremely believes in people before profit, service before sales, and impact before income. That, those are the mantras of Epics Academy, quite frankly. That's like your pillars that you just showed. That's exactly what they are. And I'll say, so what that means is, and then I'll go into what, they, what each mean, and I say, is that something that you're willing to work towards? If I'm going to be your sales trainer, that's something you're willing to strive for. And they could either say yes or no right in that moment. And I'm OK with either one, but it's going to be on the table, guaranteed. Awesome. OK. And uh, again, I'm, I'm just I'm so curious about the dynamics. I've, I've done some sales trainings and I mean, I've got my butt kicked um, sometimes <laughs> in that process of trying yeah. to align with team members and cultures. And you got to have a lot of patience um, sometimes with those processes, especially the bigger the sales team is, because. Uh, I'm going to monologue a little bit, but there's there's different types of cells. Yeah. Right. You, you've got customer support, which is usually either in like enhancing the happiness or fixing the angry. Um, right. That's of somebody who's already bought um, and maybe sure. trying to upsell or downsell um, or prevent cancellation. You've got uh, complex cells, which requires talking to three or four different entities at once and selling multimillion dollar products or maybe even six figure products. Um, you got these high ticket sales that are super common right now. And a lot of people think they're high ticket sales people, um, you know, or want to be, and there's yeah. a lot 
there's just so much to learn if you're if you're brand new to getting into that space. Um, and then you got door to door sales, right? And there's there's different tactics involved. There's different company cultures that exist in that. The the bigger point I'm getting at is if I'm a small business owner or a business owner of any level, and I, again I'm once again looking to hire and bring in a sales trainer, feel free to focus on any one of those dynamics, Dean. But how does that shift the nature of the interview and the conversation? Um, so that as a business owner, again, I, I ask the right questions and become self-aware enough of mm -hmm. the struggles we have internally that may prevent you from being a great trainer. Yeah. So, uh, so is, is your question more about how, how do I address that type of elephant in the room, depending on the industry? Yeah. So I got 20 uh, sales reps of some type, right? Okay, um, gotcha. And yeah, that's, sure. I, you know, in-house, I'm going to pretend yeah. everybody's perfect oh, and everybody's yeah, doing a great job and we yeah. love our team and, you know, but there's, there's always skeletons in the closet, so, usually more skeletons than there are clothes. So, yeah. What? So there, there are two things to this. One, one thing about this is always constant. So you're always looking for a thread that says you guys can, can be woven together. You're not woven together yet, but there's a thread there that they have in their company that says you can be woven together that that's the potential that you see right and so once you see that then when it comes to weeding out that elephant i could ask a ton of questions the whole nine yards and like you said you know buyers are liars right people are going to lie to you and tell yes. you that everybody's perfect right buyers are liars. Like and almost every one of my buyers have been liars in some way shape or form but here's the thing there are three types of questions that you can't escape from in any way shape or form no matter if you lie or not the first one is called a prognosis question. And the prognosis question says, hey, listen, if you did allow this to go on, now that, we, now that we've established and agreed that this is a problem, if you allowed it to go on, how would that impact your business and your people in the next 30, 60, 90 days? Walk me through what that would look like if you didn't fix this thing. And so they'll tell you. And you, you know, you will dig a little deeper to make sure you, you, you rooted out all the emotions about it and said, so, um, and if you did allow it to go unchecked, what would be the eventual consequence of all that? So the second part is a consequence question or consequence questions. Once so you get, the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Keep going. I want to hear yeah, the second part. Yeah, I know you're going to reveal it. <laughs> yeah. So the second part is consequence questions. So you want the person for themselves to tell you or describe for you what's going to happen. Are you going to lose your wife? Are you going to lose your business? Are your kids going to hate you? Are you going to like lose your job? Are you not going to be able to provide for your family if you didn't get this insurance right now and something happens to you? Are your kids going to be taking care? All of these things will come out in the consequence portion of this. Okay. And then the third piece of it is commitment questions. And the commitment questions come in twofold. So first of all, is that something you can live with? Once they've described the prognosis, told you what the consequences are, is that something you're okay with? And in most cases, the answer is just absolutely not. And then I ask him, so what do you think we, what do you think you ought to do about this? And then you go into the commitment questions. Now, why am I saying that? At the end of all that, here's the truth. Your prospect or whoever it is you're talking to is going to know one thing very clearly. If they lie, if they do anything in this particular moment, but tell the truth, all the results we achieve is on them. They bear the accountability and the responsibility for that no matter what. And what we just talked about will be encapped or anchored by exactly that. And that's how you weed that out. Okay. Awesome. So I've, got a, 
I got a big question that comes along with this topic, right? It it sounds like, right? It can easily be perceived as, you know, these are manipulation tactics, mm -hmm. right? You know, you're 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 messing with people's minds. Um, you know, you're getting into their psychology by yeah. doing so. So uh, my my bias question, leading the witness question, I like to be very open to help people understand that, yes, we do use frameworks for for a reason. But Dean, let's talk about that. Are you manipulating your prospective business owner by asking these questions or why is the purpose? What is the reason for okay. digging deep like this and, uh, you know, making people be so vulnerable? So I'm glad you're asking that question. Uh, and, you know, it's one of the reasons why. I love what I do so much because I recognize that there's a negative statement that comes along with like being in sales, a sales trainer, all these things. But here's the truth. Intent is everything. You know, being able to, 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 to go to enter the hearts and minds of people in this way comes with a great responsibility. So, yes, all of sales really is psych psychological. But here's the kicker. If I have a match in my hand, I could use that to burn down this house I'm sitting in right now with everyone in it, or I can use it to light the way. When the lights go out, I could light a candle and everybody has light and nobody's sitting in the dark by themselves. That's called ethics, psychological and ethical selling, putting the humanity back into the selling process because humans are what's important. So at the end of the day, it's going to be all about intent. So the answer is no, I'm not manipulating people. I'm allowing people to extrapolate for themselves from their own hearts and their own minds what's really important to them. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when it comes to guidance, mentors, parents, teachers, you name all the leaders that have all the leadership titles, that's their job. They're, they, they're have, they have a responsibility to make sure they're always acting in the best interest of the people they're called to serve. And that only comes down to your intent. If you intend to do harm, you could use any kind of knowledge doesn't matter what it was meant for. And you can use it to do harm because you know how to wield that sword. So at the end of the day, it's about who is holding the sword and who you allow to hold the sword. And by the way, that will be deciphered and weeded out in the moments to come because wolves can't hide for very long in sheep's clothing. You know, mm. eventually they're going to eat that chicken. <laughs> <It's just laughs> they're not going to resist that, you know? So. Yeah. That is my answer to that question right there. You can use that, you know, that it's, it's just, I love it. Amazing. But yeah, well, it's authentic, it. you know, and that's, that's the key, right? It's, um, you know, it, unfortunately as business owners, you have to be able to have the, um, the awareness that yes, some people will use these resources to take advantage of you while other people use the exact same resource to help you. So mm -hmm. if you're reaction, if you're reactionary and you follow your primal instinct to protect and defend and to, be scared of the value that comes from the resource, you will push away both those who are hurting you and those, those who happen, can yeah. help you, yeah. right? And that's what I see happening all over the market. People are so scared of each other right now mm -hmm. that they they don't want to have conversations about things they can't associate with, um, you know, or or can't feel. But again, that's where that's where talking to Dean um, and getting the chance to understand you know, these principles that he teaches and getting trained by him on how to how to overcome those realities. If you're facing that, if you're one of those people who gets instantly offended, um, you know, or who gets offended quickly or finds yourself reacting, even in just the smallest reaction to a different political view or a different point of religious view, um, you know, or sexual preference, whatever it is, 
it's worth having a great conversation with Dean to figure out how do I how do I not become so vulnerable to the effects of those alternative viewpoints? So let's move into the next piece here. I wanted to ask you about uh, debating this subject. Um, I know that what you do for sales is based on universal principles um, and you call it timeless selling, which I love. Um, so what's the difference between the modern sales techniques, which are many, um, and there are eras of that that are still practiced to this day. Nobody has all the information for today and today's world. Some of us live in the past, right? So what's the difference between modern sales techniques that are common and timeless selling? Um, let's just expand on that at large. Yeah. So I'm going to say something right now that's going to be a very unpopular opinion, but I don't actually, I love those. Those yeah, are my favorite I opinions. Care. So the, here's the truth. Uh, the modern sales techniques, the one from 100 years ago, and up until now that are still being taught and used actually are quite destructive, destructive. Timeless selling is actually continuously instructive. And I'll put some context on that. It's destructive because most of the outdated, high pressure, even the consultative sort of like manipulative techniques. And I used to learn these in the beginning. They're destructive because they create low trust environments. It's what we're fighting right now. That low trust skeptic buyer who has all this information at their fingertips and all of a sudden everything's a scam because people keep coming to me with this scammy stuff. It's, it's, um, it's the, the instructive part with timeless selling is this. If you are a student of how the human behaves and thinks, you will never, ever run out of resources to serve. You'll never, ever run out of resources to serve because the person that has the most information about the opportunities to serve them at the highest level of excellence is the prospect you're talking to. Think about that for a second. Who knows more about what you want than you? The fact that you don't know how to extract that from yourself in one sentence, that's not your fault. Who taught you how to do that? But if somebody knows how to get into that space, your heart-centered space, and then open up your mind so you can actually think and imagine, oh, my God, God forbid I get somebody to imagine themselves in their own heroic story that leads to a transformation. Come on. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's timeless, because, I mean, you look at the hierarchy of needs to be understood, to be heard, to be have some level of significance in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. When you look at those things, how could you not? leverage that to serve people love it i love it it's absolutely you know yeah i can i can leverage a book you know in a, in a lot of ways i can leverage a book to read it and get the value i can also throw it at somebody um you know so you you want to leverage the resource for the appropriate action and yeah uh, as you as you leverage those to bring goodness to others it it's it's kind of impossible not to have goodness come back from that in some way shape or form depending on your your beliefs and association with universal laws, of course, God and, and things like that. So um, that's all, that's awesome, man. I love that. So l some of the modern sales techniques that are used, let's talk about and expose some of these uh, tactics or I think even more importantly, oftentimes it's not necessarily the tactic. The blatant tactic is easy to recognize, right? By almost yeah. anybody, sure. um, you know, but what is what is a... Um, what is a what is a way that people sometimes use maybe these timeless principles for selfish gains? 
um, or use so in a way to manipulate others. What are some examples of that? I'm happy to come up with some too, not to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, no, I, I appreciate you putting on the spot. And, I, and I'll take a step back to, to really think about, because <laughs> look, I have pet peeves about some of these when I see them, right? Um, so I have here, one. I have one. <laughs> okay. You want to go first or me? No, go first. Go first. Let me hear yours. Awesome. Uh, the tactic of ever, the things that are good for you are outside of your comfort zone. Um, right. That is a true statement, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's funny. True and opinion. Again, those are interesting words. Right. But, you know, I see a lot of sales representatives. They get to the end of a close and they did not follow the rules properly to understand if this person is truly pre-qualified and if what's going to go good for if this if this product or solution is going to be good for them. The salesperson's really at the end of the day desperate to close. Um, right. They have their own need that they're focused on. They want to move this forward. Yes, they, they have good intentions, but they leverage this tactic to help people feel an internal pressure of, well, great. If I don't move forward on this, maybe I'm not moving out of my comfort zone. And what I add to that when I talk to people about it is I, I wear this rubber band, not for grace sake. I, I wear it because I like to use this example when I talk to people, which is, listen, what happens if you stretch this rubber band too far? If I pull really hard and stretch it, what's going to happen to the rubber band? Yeah, it's going to snap back and hit you right on your hand. What if I keep stretching it? It's going to break at some point. It's going to break. So if I stretch you financially, if somebody manipulates you mm -hmm. into stretching yourself financially beyond your comfort zone, but beyond your threshold, you are not making a healthy choice. You're being you manipulated break. into a toxic decision that is ultimately going to hurt you and put you in a position of where, where you're powerless, where you're desperate, and where you're, you're returning to your primal nature of survival instincts, and ultimately you're going to experience some trauma. So yes, we should stretch ourselves. No, we should not stretch ourselves beyond the point of breaking. That's one of those tactics, if you will, that mm -hmm. I see people leveraging and using a lot in, in today's sales techniques because it's been used so often that now people are just like, you know what, let me just use this to force the close, um, if you mm -hmm. will. So that's one example. What do you got, Dean? Here's my biggest pet peeve uh, with all of this right here. <clears throat> when you start a sales conversation, you tell the person, you know what, um, I, I, we're going to see if we, we're going to have a conversation and see if we can help you. And if we can't, right, we're going to direct you some resources that we know can help you better. They get to the end and realize that the person isn't actually a good fit, but they're ready to pay. And so they choose the money over the people. This is what I, this is my people of a profit mm -hmm. pet peeve. They choose to take the money and then behind the scenes are flailing at trying to fulfill what they said they could do, which comes out, you know, half, you know what? And the person doesn't actually get what they want. Number one, they feel less fulfilled than word before they got into the relationship. Here's the worst part. The person in that situation that made that sale does not accept the accountability that they screwed up, that they should not have taken this person on. And what they do is they blame the prospect. I hate that. I do not stand for that at all. You should stand by a word. Direct yeah. the person to another resource. Oh, you know what? Say, you know what? I really thought that we could help you. And honestly, I don't know if a resource that could help you. I don't actually know. Maybe we figure this out together. That's a different conversation altogether. But yeah. don't say yes, yes, yes. Pay, pay, pay. And then you don't deliver. We live in such a catch-22 on this, Dean. Um, and and it's, a, it's an interesting thing as a society. I think we would benefit tremendously from understanding it. And that's that. So here's your salesperson who uses that tactic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he keeps his job. 
right? And then there's another salesperson who does not and decides not to close that and he gets fired, right? Yeah. Because he does the right thing, but maybe that could have been a close, right? Maybe that could have been a person they serve. So maybe there's other aspects, rather variables that possibly exist that may have led to that person not closing to begin with in the first place, but top down, right? There's a manager involved. There's, yeah. a, there's an owner involved. There's mm -hmm. perhaps an executive team involved, you know, like who creates, what is it? The chicken or the egg? Yeah. Um, you know, is it the sales rep? Is it the prospect? Is it the, the company? You know, what do you yeah. do in those scenarios when there's a ton of sales reps? How do you start addressing that? Because again, these people, let's give people the benefit of the doubt. And I know it's not a popular idea, sure. but let's just, let's just pretend or believe that the people in the company are good people trying to do great yeah, things right. or good things. And they happen to just be human, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. They happen it's to be human. So they've got errors and flaws, which means they also have errors and flaws in their methodologies. But how do you go about addressing that in a culture that is driven to sell and driven to use modern techniques and tactics to force the cells or persuade the cells without, uh, without crushing the system? What do you do, man? Yeah, um, unfortunately... Uh, Jackson, the answer to this question is both shocking, obvious, simple, and also probably excruciating at the same time. You have to decide who you are. And without that, you will never be able to navigate this at all. You have to decide who you are. If you don't know who you are, you will be crushed under the weight of something like this. And I've experienced that. I experienced that on Wall Street where I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I, I mean, hey, I'm the first to admit I did things on Wall Street that I can't believe that I did. Nothing so nefarious that, you know, you should go to prison for or be thrown in, in hell's fire. But I did things that definitely skirted on the side of what my father would be like, Dean. Actually, my dad was the one that set me straight before the whole 9-11 thing. He said, because I was explaining a deal to him and he said, Dean, you know something? Integrity is a funny thing. Either you have it or you don't. There's no in-between. And that was enough to sting me for me to go, you know what? I got to do the right thing even when nobody's looking. And so this is, a, this is an individual choice as hard as it is, unfortunately. You got to know who you are. You have to decide anyway who you are and the kind of person you want to become. What happens if you don't? Well, the truth is if you don't, you will end up in the same vicious cycle. The events will look different in terms of their colors and places where they happen. But the, the, the crux or the nucleus of all of that will be exactly the same and you will lose out. Um, you, you will never figure out who you are and it will cost you dearly in relationships. You just put it in relationships, uh, whether it be personal relationships or relationships with your, your kids, friends, business, everything. And so, uh, Jackson, lament on that for a second. Let me grab my, my, my power cord real quick. I'll be back. Yeah, dude, of course. Absolutely. Um, and while Dean's doing that, I'll just take over real quick because this, this idea on integrity in sales and in relationships, um, I mean, you'll have some temporal setback immediately, but I promise you, I can promise you right now, if you decide to sacrifice your integrity versus your immediate income, you are going to regret it for the rest of your life. You're going to have consequences, um, you know, that you can't recover from. Let's talk about that a little bit. Dean, are you still on? I'm here, man. 
He's there. Hear me? Awesome. So in terms of uh, this integrity aspect, and it bleeds over too, right? If you start leveraging tactics within your workplace to manipulate individuals, Dean's right. Then you start leveraging those same tactics and it influences your language and your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your extended family, that the patterns will come up. You don't, you, we don't tend to just, you know, adjust our patterns and act differently with one person than we do with another, especially if the bulk of our day, we're dedicating our full time hours to tactics that are not in the best interest of the individuals that we're supposed to be serving. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really happy that, that, uh, that you brought that word up. You're right. It is simple. It is, is, what did you say? Is it simple? That it's I mean, simple. It's, it's obvious. Obvious. And I said, it's also excruciating at the same time. <laughs> it is. It's not easy to make the right decision, right? If it was, we'd all be doing a hundred pushups per day, a hundred sit-ups per day and walking 10,000 steps per day or, or doing more than that and eating the right foods and mm -hmm. not dedicating so much time to the entertainment that, that's out there. But it's not easy to do the right things. The memes are wrong. It's hard to do the right thing. It's hard to do the right thing. It is hard to do the right thing. Uh, my, my dad would always say, Dean, life is simple, but simple isn't always easy. He always says that. Life is simple, oh, but simple isn't always easy. And he's right. It's not easy to do the right thing. It's a simple process, though. And I think the thing that I love the most about my father is that he would take all the complexities of life and just wrap it around a simple universal principle it, you know what i i actually created a um a a framework around what my father taught me even though he didn't know that he taught it to me and it's called the no escape clause the point of no escape and the way that happens is when 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 you've lined up the consequences and the fact that you have a choice in what you do next and that you bear the responsibility for what you do next, that choice, and that whatever happens, you're accountable for it. You can't escape it. Whatever it is you choose, you will end up right where you belong based on that consequence and that level of accountability. You can try to blame game if you want to, but it won't matter because you are aware, you know, it's like willful ignorance is not going to save you. You know, mm -hmm. it's not going to save you. And it's no, worse. It's it's worse if you become aware and still decide to ignore the awareness that you just received. That, by the way, is a disservice to yourself and everybody else who's connected with you. That you become aware of a better way to do something and you still ignore it because you want your conveniences or your comfort or, you know, your, your, your routines. It's absolutely, that's not service. That is just self-serving. Dean, your dedication to the values, um, your dedication to mastering the art of helping people, um, you know, through your craft, especially choosing a title as, uh, as scary as sales expert is yeah. people in society. Right. Um, it's, it's inspiring. Um, you know, and it, it's inspiring that you're willing to be, um, you know, what society would consider a lion, I would say, um, you know, if you were to look at a mm -hmm. title of sales rep or types of representatives, types of titles in the industries, and you were to put animals associated with them, I think most people would associate a sales yeah. representative with something like a lion or something that's very alpha in nature. Um, and uh, all, all that's amazing. Um, I was going to ask you about it, but I want to shift gears because um, we've built other people's visions tremendously today mm -hmm. by all the wisdom that you've been laying down. What's your vision? My vision is 
built around the three main mantras of Apex Academy, which are people before profit, service before sales, and impact before income. I want ASK to become the global standard for how we actually sell and serve each other what we truly want in life. I've been in service-based sales for 20 plus years by now. And you know, it, it wraps into why I chose sales trainer, to be honest, because uh, our sales expert, because that's the vehicle that has allowed me to, for me anyway, to touch and impact the most people, right? I'm talking thousands and thousands of people. You know, I, I'm talking having the responsibility of being on, on a stage in front of 10,000 people where it's not about saying the right thing, but it's about serving the right way. And so my vision is to have ASK, ASQ, the art and science of questioning, become the global standard for how we build relationships with our prospects. And by the way, ASK is how I talk to my kids. I use it to my with my kids, with my lady. It doesn't really matter. I mean, you got to tailor it a different way. And that's not so clinical, depending on what you're talking about. It's the same stuff because it's, it's built around principles. And so that is my vision for the world. And I want there to be a higher level of responsibility placed on any person who would dare to pick up this banner of either being in sales, being a sales trainer, a service provider who has to sell your offer, any business that has to sell anything to anyone. We need a higher level of responsibility on what it means to do that, because to me, it's huge and it's super important. I love it, man. Well, that's that just it eloquently displays why you and I are working on the strategic partnership that we're working on yeah. um, and, and so align on things. And, uh, you know, I always joke around like it would have been so easy to name first class business, super hype marketing, you know, or like uh, viral marketing growth. And we would have been yeah. very <laughs> successful. But I always remind people that we would have had no standard of ethics. We would have no standard of service that we would have to be held responsible for. So I named our business First Class Business, and I've been dedicated to that for the last several years because I don't believe in, in providing second class service. I stand against it. If we do provide second class service, how will people feel? Right. <laughs> they will feel very upset with us. They will want us to improve. And that's what I want. I want my brand to constantly be a challenge. And we will sometimes, you know, we will fall on our face and we will have a have an experience that doesn't go right. Those things are going to happen, but it doesn't negate my responsibility to continue to level up. And mm -hmm. my team understands the principle of forgiveness and moving forward um, and being willing to make mistakes very, very well. So we're um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy, dude, that we got to bring you on to this today. Uh, you have a giveaway. We're a little bit over, but I'd love for you to to let us know where can we reach out to you, Bestine, and and uh, did you did you have a resource that you wanted me to to get to the audience? Okay. I did have a resource I wanted to distribute the audience, and uh, what I put together is called the Ultimate Edge Playbook, and essentially it gives you a, a really good synopsis into what Ask is about. Number one, but anyone, any service provider, any sales professional right now, any entrepreneur that would pick this up would get a very good roadmap as to what types of questions you should be asking at each phase of your sales conversations. So when you're selling to your prospect, when you're trying to enroll your prospect, there's a, there's a roadmap to follow. This gives you the roadmap that exists within ask, within ask of how you can do that very efficiently and uh, you know humanize selling with these unorthodox questions, basically. 
And this walks you right through the roadmap that I use pretty much on a daily basis when I engage in any sales conversation with a potential prospect. So any power page, I know they're all power pages, but go ahead yeah. and pull that up again for us real quick, Jaime. Um, is there any specific power page you'd like to highlight? You know, that's the page like to run down and look. Yeah, at. actually, if you pull up again, I, if I look at the table of contents, I could tell you real quick. Hmm. Um, so, so I, actually, power page 13 through 15. These are super important. All right. Those I mean, the, give me a favor. Don't show it. Want. Don't show it. But we're yeah. going to that's where to go, guys. What we want to do is just give you a chance to if you want to dive right in, you've got limited time. Go right to page 13, 14, take a look at what's what's provided there. Grab the value bombs. And uh, again, consider the art of leveraging your time appropriately in life, making time for those who matter. If this is something that can help you, then reach out to Dean and, and figure out who he is and what he can do for you. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, you're going to experience an opportunity to have somebody assess where you're at and give you some honest feedback. Um, and if you're in a good position to win further, um, I don't know. I don't know of a provider that asks more questions and more relevant questions um, than what I saw Dean display today um, in terms of sales training and management. Most of the sales trainers I've worked with, Dean, great people, good systems, um, fantastic stuff, but they're so spread thin, they don't have the time uh, you know, to, to really get to know your business and you get forced into a, a system or a funnel or a process that is cookie cutter. Um, you know, and not actually tailored to the needs of your organization, which which won't end up leading to the results that you want. Um, Jaime, if you have it, um, let's also show uh, Dean's LinkedIn profile because he's not the only Dean out there, but he is the real Dean. <laughs> uh, I love that. That's that's your link on LinkedIn. <laughs> so. I didn't make it, guys. His assistant must have made it. So yeah, there is another Dean Forbes out there actually on LinkedIn, and so I had to uh, find a way to differentiate. That's exactly what it came up to. Oh, it's awesome! No, I love it. And uh, in fact, I met last week with a guy named Josh, amazing, uh, amazing person. His says LinkedIn dash. It's Josh. Dang it! Um, and I was like, that is funny. Like that's probably my favorite URL um, that I've seen before. I, I didn't get that creative with mine. Um, so there's Dean's uh, LinkedIn profile. You probably saw the picture and stuff on there if, if you're watching the screen. And Dean, thanks, thanks, man, for being here on Vision Pros Live. We appreciate you. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Everybody have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week on Vision Pros Live. Thanks for your time. Take care.